0: Welcome to iWoofs, with your hosts, Dr. Ian and Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. So
1: what do we have this week?
2: This week we're going to talk about training for safety, and we're going to mix things up and get a little wild this week and start off with a question, oh. or a multiple-part <laughs> question.
0: probably is. Of course. Sticking with our theme. So another question submitted by one of our listeners. My dog, Hemi was a rescue purebred cocker spaniel. He is about four years old. I got him in August, and he has calmed down a lot. However, there are still some issues that he has to work on. Issue number one, confusion about being a pack leader. When he does something like jumping on the table and eating food off the table, and I yell at him, no, and admonish him, Hemi then barks back. I don't know how to deal with his behavior. (laughs) He has no problem snapping at my hands when I clean his paws or put on his coat. (laughs) I I have read the Monks of Skeet pet training book that has suggested pretending that you are biting him by putting your fingers against his neck. So far, that has worked in getting him to quiet down and stop, but has not retrained his behavior. Additionally, I hate doing this, as I do not feel that it is positive.
1: Um, No. I mean, it's like, rather than spending time trying to think you know what role is the dog playing is he being a pack leader and what role should we play should we be a bigger leader than him or should we pretend we're his mother or pretend we're biting him i mean it it gets all too silly for words let's just train him let's write down the rules do you want your dog on the table yes or no no if no answering for the person don't allow the dog on the table just say hemi off the table off the table if he doesn't move, uh, let's just say earthquake and grab the table and rattle it. Then Hemi jumps off and we say, there's a good boy, Hemi. Good dog. Um, but I would probably think, well, why is he getting on the table? There's probably food there. Or because he can, I don't know. So if it's because he can, let's play agility with him. He obviously wants to climb. If it's because it's when we're eating.
2: He's stealing food. That was yeah. Him, yeah. yeah, so
1: let's think, where do we want him to be? You know when we're eating so let's tell him hemi go to your bed lie down here is a chew toy yes it's hollow and it's stuffed with food now you lie down on your bed that normally will keep the dog there if not put him on leash clip the leash to an eye hook in the baseboard and he will learn i lie down and eat when my owner eats and then we don't have a problem
2: i have to say you know this reminds me a little bit of a problem we have at home no, we don't. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, nobody steals food in our house at the moment, other than the, one of the cats, I should say. But, you know, you, you've seen when asking Claude to go lie down in his bed, he does the bark back thing. Now, I find it amusing. He's not being aggressive or dangerous. I think it's kind of funny, and I don't ever stop it. But clearly, that's what Hemi's doing. He's barking back when she's yelling at him.
1: Yeah, and I, I think people just get so scared. Like, Oh, my dog's barking at me. It's like, so? I mean, what do you expect him to do? Moo or meow or something? thing all he's saying is uh, i acknowledge the command i don't want to do it at the moment and we just have to very calmly say to him no but you you do have to do it hemi so go to your bed and lie down no lie down quietly all we have to do is calmly insist that the dog does stuff, but to show him what we want him to do. And then we don't have to get into this, like, this alpha pack battle where we set it up like the dog is trying to take over the household today and the world tomorrow. And that makes dog ownership, you know, such a, a, as unpleasant for the dog as it is for the owner. It doesn't have to be a battle. I mean, supposedly we have superior cerebral function. So let's teach the dog what we want him to do and then calmly insist he has to do it and then reward him heavily for doing it.
2: Now, bringing this back around to safety, there is something here that she says that um, that is concerning. Uh, and it makes a good point at the same time. She talks about how when um, she's, quote unquote, biting him with her fingers, um, it does seem to quiet him down, um, but it has not retrained his behavior. Well, of course not. It's not teaching him anything.
1: No, it, it's, a, it's what we call like a non-instructive, you know, technique.
2: Suppressor, but it's not and a...
1: It, it, it reminds me of um, a film where, you know, someone made a funny hand signal in front of a, a wild ungulate and it went still. I mean, it's like if you do bizarre stuff with animals, they generally go still and think, what is that human doing? But it's not training them what we want them to do. So rather than being non-specific, be and it could, because it could be dangerous. I mean, if we think there's, there's any aggressiveness here at all, you don't want to go poking the dog on the back of the neck, like pretending you're biting him. So, you know, and, and for safety training, that's the first thing I would take out of the dog. I would make sure the dog is handleable. He loves being handled. He enjoys it. We do it every evening. He settles down on a lap like a rag doll. We hand feed him his kibble when we hold his little paws and we look in his cocker ears because mm-hmm. that's important for cockers because their ears get infected and painful. And so that's the number one safety thing that you have a dog that is handleable by you and family members. Then the number two safety thing would be and your dog likes all other people, especially children, men, strangers. And so, you know, uh, I think she also said that the dog was snapping.
2: At when she's wiping his paws, he's snapping. So that's another hand. Yeah, these are red flags for handling. It, oh, absolutely. Which it. It is like a Cocker like, Spaniel. It's part of the breed description. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's two
1: things. Dog on the table.
2: I don't care.
1: Dog snapping at me. Whoa, red flag. The dog is snapping at her. I mean, let's just step back and look at this. She's living with a Cocker Spaniel because she loves it. She loves little Hemi. But for some reason, the dog is snapping at her. I mean, what kind of relationship is that?
0: Well, not not terrain on the parade, but I, I think she actually, <laughs> when she says, she has no problem snapping at my hands.
1: Oh. Yeah, hmm. he has no problem no, it, snapping at my hands. Yeah, it was, it was written rather strictly.
0: <laughs> Unconclusive <laughs> as to whether that means he snaps or does not snap.
1: I think the dog is a really good little snapper. That was my take on enthusiastic he enthusiastic he snapper, mind, but it. Enthusiastic
2: snapper. He it is. No, he's not concerned about snapping at my hands.
1: Yeah, the, the ambiguity of the written word. That's that the problem with, with. You know, I'm questions. Perhaps
2: I'm being breedist and making an assignment there Mm. but i don't know if the point remains you know that um handling
1: the point is we said snapping at hands and that ain't good for a relationship so let's get rid of that tonight tonight practicing
2: and also handling practicing in advance to prevent these problems absolutely
1: absolutely you know handling is the more i think about it handling is everything when you look at a pet relationship like we get a dog because by and large they're cuter than most humans they're really huggable what is the point of having a dog that when you try to hug him or touch him, he snaps at you? And so for me, it's like the number one thing to produce a really handleable dog. You know, I, I think I my certain evenings, I share the couch with two bulldogs. And I'm sometimes lying on top of them. Sometimes they're lying on top of me. We're pushing each other, you know, for couch real estate. The cat walks
2: across. The cat the will come
1: across and lie down. There There's no snapping here. This is like a love fest while I watch a bit of soccer on the telly. And so that, that to me is the red flag, that we get rid of that first. We make sure the dog in, not just tolerates being touched and handled, the dog thoroughly enjoys being handled.
2: Oh, but there's more.
1: There's more.
0: I thought there yeah, would returning to Hemi, um, yeah.
1: it would appear that, that
0: barking seems to be central to the problem. Uh, obviously, it was part of the first part with the barking back, but part two is when we go out walking, he barks and lurches at other dogs, thereby causing them to get into a defensive barking match. It scares other dog owners and people in general, thinking that he's going to bite them. That uh, is also part three, is barking incessantly at strangers walking towards him. Yeah, so it's the, all kind the, of the same the thing. The
1: barking things are blows anyway. People, people will come up to me at seminars and they say, I have a problem with my dog. And I say, what? Say, so he barks. And i like, wow, no, he barks. And you get a dog like a cocker or miniature schnauzer, terrier, they bark a lot. I mean, it's not like we don't know this before we've got the dog and so I would love it and like the in the most beautiful of worlds people would say I'm going to get a dog and I acknowledge dogs do doggy things they pee poop chew and bark so I'm going to learn how to control all these behaviors so the dog can act like a dog appropriately in a domestic setting so what we have to do here obviously is to teach the dog to shush on cue well a bad training scenario is when your dog is over the top barking he's not paying attention he's full of energy he's hard to control so, I always teach owners first to teach the dog to bark on cue. The Why? owners to
2: bark on
1: cue? To teach the owners to teach the dog to bark on cue. <laughs> Although, that can be a helpful step, I imagine. Yeah. Well, sometimes we have the owners bark on cue. That, that, <laughs> New method that's, alert. that's a good lure. Barking. So, basically, that's, that's one, two, three, four lure reward training. You say, uh, rover speak, then you knock on the door, you know, and then, woof and then good dog good dog good dog you do it six to ten times and the dog says whoa when they say speak someone knocks on the door so i'm going to bark when they say speak that means now we can teach shush when we want and so we go one two three four speak and then one two three four shush we go rover shush waggle food in front of his nose he sniffs the food and stops barking then good shush one good shush two so she should teach this first at home So the dog knows woof and shush. Then she goes on a walk, but to quiet places and practices woof and shush. So that when the dog is amped up and barking at, say, another dog, and she says, shush, shush, shush. At least the dog now knows what she's trying to get the dog to do.
2: Well, I read this differently. I mean, of course, barking, you know, there are dogs that bark for attention or excitement on walks. But, you know, she's she's talking about all these different barking. And it sounds like, you know, he's barking and lunging at other dogs causing, um, you, know, that, you know, causing them stress. Um, he's barking at people. And she says people who he perceives as a threat. So. Um,
1: and, and this goes back to you know, uh, safety. Say, yeah. The number one thing is you've got to make sure your dog likes people. You know, if it is true that the dog is barking because we're scared or we think we're trying to protect the owner or what have you. This is not cool. So we have to teach the dog to thoroughly enjoy the company of all types of people. Um, then, after that, I would do and dogs too. Because you're going to meet lots of dogs. And, and, and why? Because Hemi is obviously stressed. And it's, it's blatantly unfair to take him now on walks where he's going to meet people and dogs who scare him. So we've got to build the dog's confidence and get the dog over with these fears. But back to the, I thought this was about safety training. Well, it is. I think
2: it, it is a matter of safety. If your dog is stressed or fearful or snapping at you, these are you know these are these are safety problems. But there's more. There's one more problem I think with Hemi. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, he refuses to drop Good things. things. <laughs> no matter how much I try to lure him to drop with like other like a point he's trying to make. He refuses to let it go. <laughs> I know other people it's like very that. Very persistent. <laughs>
1: just won't stop. Yeah.
0: He, uh, no matter <laughs> how much I try to lure him to drop with other distracting treats. He will hold on to the original item.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, again, it's like if something happens once, a dog does something that gives you cause for concern or it annoys you or what have you. And this instance is he won't let go of a who knows what, pig's ear, rotting apple, bit of cat poop or a McDonald's right? I don't know. We now want to go back and train him. So I would teach him off, take it, thank you. I would start off with food in the hand and again there's videos all over Dog Star Daily when they can look at these things off and take it with food in the hand off and take it reward training once the dog has learnt off and take it I would then do it with an object the dog doesn't really want to take like a a wooden dowling you know or your car keys off off take it and the dog will grab it and immediately say thank you and you put your hand underneath his muzzle to catch the object and you give him three treats so now he's learning off take it and thank you now we do it with objects that he likes more like a chew toy a hollow chew toy off take it thank you treat 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 then a chew toy stuffed with food off take it good dog and thank you well the chew toy is stuffed with kibble but I have liver in my hand so the dog doesn't mind giving it until we work with objects the dog really wants to keep and strangely enough, that the one object, I mean, apart from the pig's ear, the one object dogs really want to keep is uh, paper tissues, which I've <laughs> never really got. The owners have arguments with their dogs about paper tissues. And I tell them, I "You mean, if you don't want the dog to have it, blow your nose and flush it down the toilet. But they will go mano a mano with the dog who goes under the bed. Then they get a broom handle, they poke at the dog and they end up getting bitten over what? Over a paper tissue, I think we even have a video on Dog Star called "Paper Tissue Issues," and it's me having an argument with a dog on camera over paper tissues. And, and of course, it's because I'm trying to train the dog too quickly for television, but it, it's too silly. So you can't train the dog in the course of everyday living. So if you have a problem go back and train him when it's convenient for you to train
2: practice at the right level is what you're saying
1: absolutely so you can't train a dog not to jump up at the front door when people are at the front door you've got to do lots of training and get him into a sit stay there when no one's there you know you do it gradually so that the dog stands a chance of, of doing it right and not upsetting you when the situation really is distracting
2: on the subject of training for safety, um, rather than just training for I don't know communication or convenience, I think it's it's good to talk about some of the some of the best um, training exercises or cues that you can teach your dog for 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 their own safety. I mean, basically you're communicating things to them so that they can learn in our human world, you know, how to behave in our human world, right? So I don't know. I've, I've made my own list of what I think are the the, the top. Safety.
1: The top. And what are they? Are you going to share?
2: I could. I mean, we've talked about some of them a little bit, but I think- What do we have um, to mind read? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, of course, as you say, socialization handling are are very important, but I think people, um, you know, they sell their dogs short. They don't do things like boundary training, emergency downs, emergency recalls, for instance. You know, taking a basic command and, and, and using it for emergency situations or training it to that level. Or even just doing boundary training, which is so useful. You know, I, my pet peeve is seeing dogs leap out of the car as soon as the door is open. Things like that.
1: No, it, it, absolutely right. There's two things here, and, and the two biggest I try to teach. The emergency response, settle down, owner's choice.
2: Why not the, both for different is- situations?
1: yeah it's 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 hard enough to teach one one if they've let's put it this way if they master one then we go to the other one because they have different applications but it is so difficult though to get an emergency command that works 100 percent of the time no matter where the dog is what he's doing wherever the owner is so i like to focus on one one thing only will the dog sit because that's going to resolve most dangerous situations instantly the dog's about to run out the front door. The dog's chasing a cat. The dog's dashing towards the street. Sit. Solves the problem. Um, or they can choose down. But I like one or the other. Once they've mastered one, we can then go to teach the other. So that, to me, is the number one thing that I used to like giving to people in puppy class. They will have an emergency command on their dog. The boundary training is it, its more than useful. I mean, what, a, what an understatement. It is It is essential. It doesn't matter how good you are with remembering all the rules about your dog. It will be your husband's friend who leaves the door open. At that point, your your dog's safety is absolutely compromised. And so to train a dog that you never leave the car, you never go through the back door, and you never, ever, ever step into a street unless given the, the requisite commands, which is Rover, the dog's name, let's go. And so I, I think it's absolutely essential that we teach this, and it's probably one of the few training exercises, as uh, well, there's only two of them come to mind, where I actually frighten the dog in the process. One, of course, is in puppy classes where we train the dogs, don't be frightened when people do frightening things. Very easy to do. You have people act like idiots and shout and scream and fall over, and the puppies get used to it. That really is a, a safety training exercise. But the boundary training, we do lots of work, we walk out every time we get to the boundary let's say the street sit let's go go to the street sit let's go we do this over and over sit let's go and then one day we set the dog up we just walk up the driveway and step straight out into the street and what does the dog do he puts one port in the street at which point i go like oh, oh, "What are you, doing? Oh, what are you doing? Back, 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 good dog there's a good dog and yeah it freaks the dog but it's we something... maxed out the audio levels there. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Ross. Oh, <laughs> sorry ears. about that, mate. Um, but I want to max out the audio level in the dog too. Mm. I want the dog to know that putting that paw in the street is so wrong and so scary. And the instant the dog gets all four paws back on property again, good boy. There's a good dog. Then I do it again. And what I usually find after one trial, that dog now, he won't step in the street. He sits there, and then I try pulling him gently on the leash. He knows this is a boundary. And so I I think it's one of the few instances where I like to teach the dog, no. If you do it, it's scary, you know. And and it's something that will probably save the life of every dog, you know. I practiced
2: that throughout my dog's lives. I started young, um, you know, when my dogs were young and when I was young. Um, When I lived in Chicago, because it was so important there living in an urban environment that they didn't ever, ever just think it was okay to go into the street or jump out of the car. And, you know, we practiced, I would say, 98% of the time that we did these things, you know, and then we did some random proofing like you're talking about. And then every now and then you had a situation where I wasn't able to say something. Maybe somebody else was with them. My proudest moment there was I had a friend who wasn't necessarily dog savvy but knew my dogs, um, walk mocked the two dogs one day when I couldn't be there. And he, he reported back that he went for a walk, he had both of them on leash, and they got to the curb and he kept walking and he's walking and walking and then yep, he hits the end of the leash and looks and there's two dogs sitting at the curb.
1: Like anchors. Yeah. Like we and are he not realized, leaving. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. that's
2: that, that's the rule, obviously. But they did it. It was, like, it was like a test, you know, which I didn't even mean to set them up for. Um, they did it. They sat for somebody else. You know, they didn't consider just going into the street. Yeah.
1: No, it's so important. It's like just one door in most households. Just one door is left open and your dog will be on the street. It's why I've always liked houses that have fenced yards as well. What do you mean? Yeah. And they're locked. And if even, you know, the back door's left open, the dog still can't get to the street. I always like... And it's a basic safety rule with, with animals. Double gates are just wonderful. With any kind of animal, double gates, it's a real good safety issue. And if you don't have a double physical gate, then the second one is trained in. And it's this, it's this safety training. That um, And as Kelly says, I mean, proof it every day. Every day, do something different. You walk out in the street and do a jig. Or you do little squeaky voices like
2: beep 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 beep.
1: The dog never leaves your property unless you say Rover, let's go.
2: An enormous whatever. distraction that um, most people haven't practiced is when there's somebody that they know already out in the street, or you know, it's or another dog, dog. dog or another dog out, or across the street. Yeah. you know, um, you know it, it's important to practice even if their you know their co-owner or their best friend is across the street. There's an invisible barrier at the curb.
1: No, it is. It is very sad. When dogs um, are run over by cars, it usually happens right in front of the owner's house. And it usually happens when the dog is moving from the owner's car to the owner's house. And when it's happened, people always say to me, but he was he was always okay. He would always run straight from the car to the house. But this is the first time he didn't. And, of course, you only need to be hit by a car once.
2: Well, I guess an emergency yeah. sit would be a good one there. If you have your boundary training fails, Absolutely. then you need and an emergency sit or
1: down. Yeah, when I used to go running with Omaha and we'd drive up to the hills, he would sit in the car. And then i open the car door while I'm doing my stretching. And then I would say, Omaha, outside. And the instant he jumped out of the car, I would say, Omaha, sit, like that like whoa so he would learn wow ian's really on the ball and a bit snarky when i'm i'm out here and and the difference is in the car he's safe now he's off leash on public property and we're running his safety depends on on my control so sit immediately you test that sit right away when the dog's out there and then when running the dog off leash or when walking the dog off leash when walking the dog on leash every 25 yards practice you're in control all you have to say is Rover sit, and if he does, you say, good boy, walk on. You can use the walk as a reward again for your dog acknowledging, yeah, you're in control. And the deal is, if he sits, you know the next command is going to work, and so you could use a recall. However, otherwise, I wouldn't teach an emergency recall. It's so complicated to teach. Most owners never actually end up teaching the emergency sit. You know that the dog will always sit, at a distance, no matter what the distraction, when the owner says so. But if they have got the dog sitting, there's many options. They can go up to the dog, put him on leash, or they can put him in a down. They can keep him staying, or they can call him to them. And the dog will probably come because the dog's acknowledged, I'm in control, I'm, I'm sitting.
2: There, there's an important you're part you're of... Dying this. of
1: bronchitis. Yeah, yeah, this we're is. okay, we're going to yeah. survive. There's <laughs> an
2: important uh, component of this... Um, you know, of, the, of the safety training, I guess, and of what we're talking about with emergency uh, position training, or boundary training, and all of that, and that we I think we should highlight for people. Not enough people do it. Um, it's not so much about having a, a stay command so much, or cue, or behavior, but um, holding position and the importance of a release cue. That you know that any any um, position training isn't a parlor trick. Sit isn't a parlor trick. Butt on the ground, and then I can get up again. Not enough people, I think, train in a release cue and and make their dog stick to it.
1: Yeah. Now, basically, if you have a lightning emergency sit or down and then a rock solid stay in any position, you have a very well-trained dog. To have a rock solid stay, you have to have a very clear release cue, which would be something you never say. So release cues like, good boy, or okay, are really dumb. You want a release cue like, rover, dismissed. Or Rover, free dog. And you very clearly say it. And when you have that clear release cue, then you will get the reliability and the attention in the stay.
2: Well, it requires constantly being um, alert, paying, paying attention. You know, it's it's. I always tell people not to say, not to ask their dog to do something unless they are going to pay attention and follow through as well. Because so many dogs learn inadvertently that, yeah, I have to sit even maybe for 30 seconds or 10 seconds or while she's looking at me. But eventually, I get to get up and walk away, you know. Whether it's practicing a downstay or yeah, and, and that's
1: such a bad habit for a dog to learn that I can just walk off casually. Because then, away. when you need it, how are you? Yeah, supposed and most to owners do? are dreaming and like, oh, where's the dog? Well, your dog just walked out of a downstay, which was okay today, but in a lot of situations, it won't be. And, and I think what I've seen in the past, probably 20, 30 years in training, is that we've got a lot of activity stuff. Like dogs in lower reward training are sit, down, sit, stand, down, sit. And in uh, a dog clicker training class, dogs are throwing behaviours at the owner and being reinforced. But what has decreased from training are long, solid stays. And, and we need them back. We need a good minute sit-stay. And we need two, three, four, five minutes uh, of a down stay. So the owner knows if they say... Rover down, the dog will go down instantly and will remain there for two, three, four, or five minutes. Very, very useful command. It's why I like the game Musical Chairs. It gives you everything straight up front. A dog that walks off leash by your side, he sits immediately, and he has a bomb-proof sit-stay. That is a a really good pet dog. wouldn't
2: you say that generally uh, dogs should be trained and taught by, by their owners to hold a position... Until they're either released or given another position.
1: Absolutely. People really... No, absolutely, yeah. That um, people think sit means put your bum on the ground and run off or or put your bum on the ground and bounce up. And as you say, it's kind of like a parlor trick. And sit should mean put your rear end on the ground and keep it there until you have another instruction. And pay attention. And pay attention if if required.
2: Well, that's why I use stay actually as a relaxation. Yeah
1: and and it is something that i think has has really disappeared from dog training in in the past 10 20 30 years and we need to bring it back it's the most useful command of all a really solid stay just eliminates so many uh, annoying problems from the dog
2: excellent advice ian thank you for that and we'll see you next week or at home
1: Oh, you see me at home, not okay. seeing them at home. In a few minutes. <laughs> see them next week. See me. Yeah, I got <laughs> it. Okay.
2: <laughs> That's all for this episode of Woofs. Thank you for listening.